Come on, let's get going. So, we are going to look at the life of Jesus. The first three Gospels record how Jesus started his ministry. And in Matthew 4, 17, we read, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark 1, 14, 15, we read, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. So Jesus starts his ministry stating something very bold and different, unusual. The kingdom of God is at hand or near. Now, neither Gentiles or Jews have heard this before. You see, people listening to Jesus saying the kingdom of God is near was something not familiar because you can't find that expression in the Old Testament. And so they were thinking probably, you know, what, what could Jesus be saying? You know, maybe he was referring to a passage in the book of Daniel when King Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream and Daniel gave the interpretation of that dream. Yes, it is a passage where it speaks about the kingdom of God that is to come. And so in Daniel 2, verses 44, we read, And in, the, in these days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Or maybe Jesus was talking about a prophecy that Zechariah gave. We read it in chapter 14, verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. The kingdom of God is near. Now, was this a catchy slogan to attract the crowds? Was this a marketing strategy, you know, for Jesus to attract people to him? What was Jesus saying with all this? In the natural, it didn't look like the kingdom of God had already arrived because as far as everyone knew, the Roman Empire was still in charge. And there was no evidence that anything would be changing anytime soon. So what was Jesus announcing? The kingdom of God is already among you. What Jesus was announcing was something very different and he was bringing to light the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That's what we read in Matthew 13. So the time had come, God's kingdom had come near. And some translations put it as the kingdom of God is breaking in. I like that. Jesus was pointing to the coming of God's authority and 
power. He was referring, you know, it was in the sense of his spiritual authority, his spiritual rulership over the hearts of people to everyone who would be willing to submit to it. God was not coming to overthrow an, an earthly kingdom. He was not coming to overthrow the Romans. He was thinking of something much bigger, much bigger. So people, they did not know that they were under the captivity, spiritual captivity of an enemy. And that enemy is the devil. Their souls were captive. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, we read, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, the unbelievers, the spirit that is in this world. In 1 John 5, 19, we also read, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. You know, it's like today. People, most people around us, they're not aware of this reality. You know, they may say, well, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the devil either. I'm fine, don't bother me. You see, the, this type of statements, they don't make any difference. That doesn't make any impact in the spiritual realm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change this reality. If you do not have Jesus in your heart, you are under this influence of this spiritual enemy, the devil. And only Jesus can set you free. Amen? Are you there, church? I know that you are there. You know, you know put it in the comments, you know. Come on. Amen. I agree with you. <laughs> now, do you remember what the devil said to Jesus when he tempted him in the desert? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. This was not a dispute about territories or land or the resources of our planet. This was all about the souls of people. And this is why Jesus said before going to the cross in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Jesus also went around demonstrating what the kingdom of God looked like. The kingdom of God was on the scene, had arrived. It was there. And Jesus went around demonstrating that to everyone. Matthew 9.35, what does the kingdom of God look like? Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among people. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. I love that. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. 
I also love what Jesus said because he's revealing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he said in Luke 11, verse 20, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, it means with the power of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When Jesus cast out demons, it was a clear sign that the kingdom of God had arrived. When the kingdom of God arrives, the other kingdom has to go. Amen. Has to leave. You know, like my husband always says, it takes power to remove power. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to defeat the devil and to destroy his works on earth. We do not have to go around fighting principalities and powers. There's a lot of wacky, you know, doctrines out there, you know, pulling this and pulling that. You know, Jesus has already taken care of that problem. Jesus said, uh, we read, excuse me, read in Colossians 2.15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the, in the cross. On the cross, Jesus has already defeated these principalities and powers. What does that mean? These entities, these evil entities who had influence over the earth, their authority was stripped off so they have no more legal ground to hold on to it that's what it means yes we do cast out demons but we are not going around fighting them okay in the natural that's not we have what we are called to do jesus already has taken care of that on the cross hallelujah thank you jesus but we know from the word of god that although they were stripped off of their authority, they will keep opposing the kingdom of God. We know that. They will keep trying. They will oppose everything that God is doing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 24, 25, this is what happens. They will keep opposing until their judgment day will come, until the end. We read, then comes the end, because the end will come. When he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all his enemies under his feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Hallelujah. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Hallelujah. You know what? Until that final day comes, you know what we're going to do? We will keep doing what Jesus told us to do. We will keep preaching the gospel. We will keep praying for the sick. And we will continue to cast out demons in the authority that Jesus gave us. Hallelujah. Friends, this is not a story from the latest Marvel movie. Okay? This is the real stuff. This is real. It is happening. You know, even the other day, <clears throat> as I was trying to help someone, 
that um, for years has been troubled with uh, torment and was obviously demonized, this person, you know, and it, it's a terrible suffering. And um, it is such joy, you know, when you cast out those demons, you pray for the sick, and then you see the people delivered, and the hope, this hope in their eyes when you look at them, and they are free. They are no longer under that torment. And you know, as I was praying for this person, and the demons were coming out, one of them, you know, just, I don't know why, just looked at me, because you can sit in the person's eyes and said, uh-uh, you cannot get rid of me. For a moment, I was, you know, like, what? What do you mean? You know, I, I, I don't like to talk with demons. I just cast them out. <laughs> but, you know, then I realized, no, wait a minute. I am not the one getting rid of you. Jesus is getting rid of you right now in the name of Jesus. And this person is going to be completely set free by the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. We serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. Hallelujah. And that's why in this house, we love to pray for the sick. We do cast out demons. Yes, and we preach the good news because that's the kingdom of of God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. It is wonderful to see the kingdom of heaven touching people's lives. You know, in my own life, I know what that means and what that feels. You know, I love it when, I always say that I love it when my husband shares, you know, his testimony, how when he was still a teenager, he heard the voice in his room and God was calling him to preach I love it when he shares that, you know, but I have the opposite experience and I feel jealous that he has such great testimony that God spoke to him with a loud voice in his bedroom. You know, I was a very tormented teenager and uh, um, I don't know, maybe because my, my grandmother, he, she had, she had, um, been involved in, in the occult for many years. And when she got saved, um, she was the only believer in, in the family. And I knew, I, I was not a Christian, but I knew that she was praying for me and she was praying for the family. So maybe, I don't know if those demons were after me, trying to harass me. You know, when, when I got saved and when I gave my life to Jesus, my grandmother actually told me that years before I got saved, um, the Lord had told her that I was going to serve him, but she didn't tell me anything until I got saved. So maybe, I don't know why the devil was trying to harass me, and I was a very tormented young person. And I remember one day, one day, I, I cannot forget that night. I was only 16, and I heard a loud voice in my head. It was not in my room, but it was in my head. I'm, gonna, I'm going to kill you. I didn't sleep that whole night, and I cried the whole night. And I didn't know 
you know, to whom should I talk about this? You know, uh, my parents, did, they were not Christians. They didn't know, you know, what I was talking about. And my grandmother lived far away from me. And I didn't think it was related to God in any way. I was so scared and so tormented. So I know how it feels, you know, to be tormented in your mind and depressed. And, and no one understands how you feel. But Jesus understands, and Jesus is the one who can set people free. The day I gave my life to this powerful Jesus, I was free. I was completely free. And the Lord changed my mind. He changed my heart, and I was a new person. It took some time to renew my mind because those lies that had been, you know, in my head, they were playing in my head. Since I was a little child, I was quite tormented. It took a while, but you know what? I am completely set free. And if you are watching this and you feel like that, let me tell you this. Believe in Jesus and give him your life because he can set you free. Hallelujah. You know what? As I'm sharing this with you right now, the Holy Spirit is showing me something. And um, I believe it's a word of knowledge for a group of people, a group of young people. And you're watching this together. And some of you are in different places also. And two married women, you know who you are. You feel a strong sense of abandonment and rejection. It's so strong in your heart. Sometimes you are fine, and suddenly that comes upon you in such a powerful way that you, you don't, your mind gets confused, you are sad, you, you don't know how to explain what you're feeling. It's the spirit of an abandonment and rejection. Listen to me. Believe that Jesus can set you free right now. Father, I pray for these people where they are. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, that name above every other name, that you set these people free right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you destroy those lies in their minds, that they are worthless because they are valued to you, O oh Father. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's flow with the Holy Spirit. This was not part of my message, but that's okay because the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do, and that's what matters. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's carry on with my message about the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. You see, the apostle John, who walked with Jesus for three years, understood very well what Jesus came to do. And this is what he wrote in one of his letters, in 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. I love this. And it's interesting to notice that John was the one to whom God chose to reveal the literal fulfillment of what Daniel and Zechariah spoke about. Look at what he wrote in Revelation. 
Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. That day is coming. You see, the kingdom of God has different aspects and shades of meaning throughout the scriptures, as we've seen. And Jesus also used parables to explain to people what the kingdom of heaven looked like. And he, he taught these parables to the multitudes, and he also taught the parables in private to his disciples, because sometimes they didn't get the meaning of the parables straight away. Look at Matthew 13, 36. Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And it was important that uh, Jesus explained to the disciples these parables that had to do with the kingdom of heaven because he was preparing them for what was coming next. Let's have, have a quick look at some of the parables. The parable of the mustard seed, for example, in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So in this parable, Jesus is pointing to the kingdom of heaven, uh, saying that it was going to expand. Although it will be starting as a little seed, you see the nucleus will outgrow you know, its natural size, you know, in a big proportion, the kingdom of heaven would grow. Another parable that Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven, the parable of the dragnet. Matthew 13, again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. And so Jesus describes like a dragnet, a large net, which would encircle a large area and would drag the bottom of a lake. And so it would catch all the fish you know, of every kind, without discrimination. So this means that the good news of the kingdom would capture all kinds of people around the world from different backgrounds and races, including both who will accept the gospel and those who will reject. Another parable, the parable of the leaven. Matthew 13 Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven. Now, I have something funny to tell you about this. I have something to say. Because three weeks ago, I attempted again to bake a cake. Now, everyone who knows me knows that I'm not good at baking. Okay, I can do other things, but not baking. But three weeks ago, I decided someone gave me a nice recipe about, you know, um, for a lemon cake. Okay, now we have a nice tree in our backyard. We have nice lemons. So let me try this recipe. Everything was fine. I followed the recipe that my friend gave me. This is easy. I can do this. The time passed, put it in the oven. When I went to get it out, 
it did not look like my friend's cake, the picture that she sent me. Because my cake, instead of being like this, it was like this. And so, what happened? I did not use baking powder. I know you can laugh, I can't see you anyway, but you can laugh, it's a rookie mistake. She did not include in the, in the recipe, don't forget about the baking powder, okay? And so my cake was totally flat. Well, I will keep trying, okay? And hopefully next time I'll remember the baking powder. And so in the parable of the, of the leaven, the kingdom of heaven is compared to dynamic character of yeast. You see, when the yeast is eaten into the dough, it expands by itself. And after his resurrection, Jesus was going to launch his church and the church would grow and it would expand by itself, going everywhere, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So Jesus set something in motion that could not be stopped or reversed. And Jesus' last instructions to the disciples were about the kingdom of heaven. We have that in Acts 1.13. He spoke to his disciples after rising from the dead for 40 days. Things pertaining to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus told them to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And at this point, the disciples didn't quite understand how this was going to work. They thought that Jesus was going to establish the kingdom of Israel. But it was not all about that. It was about the church. And so he told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And then on the day of Pentecost, the church came into existence. You know, like the parable of the leaven, the kingdom of God through the church, propelled by the power of the Holy Spirit, has been spreading everywhere, hallelujah, flooding, invading this whole planet. Talking about a super spreader, hey, the church. Say with me, I'm a super spreader. Uh, wait, but you should clarify that because of your neighbors, okay? I'm a super spreader for the kingdom of God. So your neighbors know, okay, what you're spreading. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so the kingdom of God is not powered, you know, by armies or organizations. It is the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God on earth, moving and growing by an internal dynamic. Hallelujah. So we need to take the kingdom of God to a world in despair, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know what, church? A global virus will not stop the kingdom of God. This is the reality. The kingdom of God is still expanding. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people ask me, so 
you know, we're facing this situation and, and we need to pray and against this. And what do you think is the best way to do spiritual warfare? Sometimes people ask me that. My answer is very, very simple. Winning people for Christ is the best way to do spiritual warfare. And of course we pray, but this is the way. Winning people for Christ. You know, Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Every time one person comes into the kingdom, the devil loses territory and the kingdom of God expands. Hallelujah. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So my point this morning, the kingdom of God will not retreat. The kingdom of God will not retreat. It will keep moving forward stronger and faster than ever. Hallelujah. You know, the past 18 months, it has been very hard to endure. You know, some of us have lost family members to this thing, terrible disease. Some of us have lost jobs, businesses. We had problems in our families. You know, our mental health, all of us were affected in some way. It has been terrible. Even the faith of some have weakened. But you know, be encouraged in the Lord this morning because the Lord is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we will, we will get through this together, church. Together, we can do this. The kingdom of God will not retreat. You know what that means? You cannot retreat either. Come on. We need to keep moving forward. Hallelujah. Hold on to Jesus. Hebrews 12, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thank you, Lord. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear. Let me read Romans 8 to you because I know that some of you, you really need to hear this this morning because you've been so busy, so wrapped up around your own life and what is going on with your life. You need to think of the big picture and to think of the big God that you serve. Romans 8:35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Let me include this little bit. Virus, fear, recession. Verse 37. Yet in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him who love does. Listen, I am, I'll, I'll agree with Paul. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord People of God, listen to me, and friends who are watching me. This is not the time to retreat, to hide, or to be indifferent. We have a job to do. Hallelujah. Pray for the church. The church is a big deal. 
Christ died for the church. Pray that the churches everywhere will open their doors very soon. Hallelujah. Pray. We are all ambassadors for Christ. Hallelujah. And we need to keep spreading the good news of the kingdom of heaven. This is not just about us. It's about the big picture and the will of God. Hallelujah. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, my dear friends, my dear family, what's the one point I want to emphasize this morning? The kingdom of God will not retreat. You know what? The experts say that a good sermon needs to have Three points. I don't know what happened with me today, but, and I hope I passed the test because my sermon only has one point. The kingdom of God will not retreat. So be a super spreader of the good news of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Don't be a super spreader of the devil's news. Hey, there's plenty of people doing that around the world. You continue to spread the good news of the gospel. You know, share the link of this service to everyone you know because people need to hear good news at this moment. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is present. Hallelujah. And, you know, some time ago I was sharing these, all these things that I'm sharing with you with someone, and that person turned to me and said, yes, well, I wish I could believe, but I don't. I wish I could believe like you, but I don't. Well, there's nothing I can do about that, unfortunately. But my friend, if you are looking at this right now, and you're hearing my words, friend, if you can believe in Jesus, if you can believe in Jesus, give him your life today. If you are able to believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, then give him your life today. You know, Jesus is such a good God. Hallelujah. He will change your life. He will change your life completely. Hallelujah. And if you want to give him your life, you simply say one prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I repent of my sins. And Jesus, change my heart. Hallelujah. And he will do it. He will do it. Hallelujah. You know, there are only two requirements. Repent and believe to enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know that the Holy Spirit is touching you right now. And if you've prayed this prayer, you know, just click on the link and we will connect with you. And church, it's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. I can't see you, but you, I know that you are there. And you know, Pastor Lewis, next week, he's got a great message. You cannot miss it. So... Take care of yourselves, and I hope to see you soon. I love you, hips. God bless you. Hallelujah.